Hello and welcome to The Personal Investor. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what's needed for markets to take an upward turn in 2023? Optimists are predicting a pivot in markets once some of the factors that pulled share prices lower last year begin to reverse. But when will that be? That's our focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Markets have started the year in something of a holding pattern, with investors waiting for the next decisive change in direction for share prices. The most hopeful view is that 2023 will see an unwinding of some of the factors that pushed shares lower last year. Most notably, eyes are on central banks for signs that inflation has peaked and that monetary tightening can pause. When will that happen? And can it be the catalyst for a pivot in markets? To discuss what may well be the key question this year, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Uh, Tom, welcome along and Happy New Year, of course. Um, first of all, do I have it right, Tom, there when I say that this question about central bank policy, that will be a pivotal question uh, facing markets this year? Yes, I think it will. Um, I mean, clearly the two main drivers of markets last year were inflation and interest rates. Uh, and I think they will continue to be important uh, this year, but for a slightly different reason. I mean, last year, uh, inflation ran ahead of expectations. Interest rates rose faster uh, and further than, uh, than maybe um, investors hoped. And so I think this year, the key question is, when does that process uh, go into reverse? Now, it's not the only thing that investors are looking at um, this year because one of the key features of 2023, I suspect, will be uh, recession, probably on both sides of the Atlantic, certainly on this side uh, in continental Europe and here in the UK, it looks pretty inevitable. The US, there's more of a question mark. But uh, so it's, it's, those, it's those three things, really, continued focus on inflation uh, and interest rates and what happens to earnings. And I really wanted to to get to, in this conversation, uh, as well as you know looking to the future and what might happen, to explain why it all matters, because we can sometimes lose sight of that. We always talk as if everyone knows how this stuff works. Perhaps it's worth you laying out why central banks are doing what they're doing and why it matters so much to stock markets. Well, what, why they're doing what they're doing is that they are very concerned that uh, inflation is running out of control uh, and that it will become embedded in the system and that effectively, in shorthand, we will go back to how we were in the 1970s and 1980s uh, when inflation was just a part of the system. I, I can remember at the beginning of my working life, you know, we would just assume that we'd get a 10% pay rise every year and once that becomes embedded it's very difficult to break that 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 cycle and that's really what uh, central banks are concerned about so that's why they're squeezing uh, the economy to try and shake out that inflation yeah because the tools that they have is to to make basically them they're less money in the system almost you know borrowing is more expensive uh, if interest rates are higher that means there's less money to spend on other things that reduces demand supply and demand dictates that, that should bring down prices that's what they're trying to do yeah i mean that's that that's the theory if you if you make it more expensive for people to borrow for example on their mortgage then they will have less money to spend uh, in a restaurant 
And uh, that will then have a knock-on effect on the owner of that restaurant who will then employ fewer people and uh, you get a downward spiral, which is a, a, an engineered downward spiral to, to slow the economy down and therefore to uh, to put a cap on inflation. And one of the things that people might sort of bump into when they come across this subject is is the fact that a lot of the things that last year we were spending more money on or forced to spend more money on is out of control of, of central banks. And so reducing demand for, say, a restaurant doesn't af- affect the fact that we're paying more for gas because Russia has invaded Ukraine or because supply chains are constrained after the pandemic. There are those factors beyond the control of central banks, but they are linked, aren't they, to what the banks can control. And that's where it can get a little bit confusing. Yes, I mean, it is a it is a tricky task for central banks because... Uh, Interest rates are a fairly blunt tool, um, and they do uh, they do focus in on certain parts of the economy, such as the housing market, uh, and they really have very little to do with um, the cost of our heating, for example, which, as you say, is beyond their control. Um, but they have to do something. If they are to get on top of inflation, they have to work with the tools that they do have, mm. um, and they have to focus on the areas that they can control and just hope that everything else comes along for the ride. Yeah, and it's important to say that um, there are things beyond the control of the Bank of England and the Fed, but there are also signs of things that they can have some effect on also running running quite hot from an inflation point of view. I mean, wages is a, is a big part of this equation. Wage rises are, um, by recent historical standards, high, not as high as inflation, but they're high. And central banks are worried that... Um, as prices for something like gas goes up, people have the money to chase up those prices because they're getting paid more and that builds inflationary pressure throughout the economy. So what they're trying to do, as you say, is avoid this upward spiral in prices where prices go up, wages go up to meet them, and it continues. That's right. And sometimes this is described as a, as a wage price spiral. Uh, which is exactly as it sounds: wages rise, prices rise, which forces wages to rise, and it go and on and on it goes. And 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 where does that stop? It's particularly an issue here in the UK, actually, um, for for various reasons, which we've talked about many times um, in in recent years. But the the labour market yes. uh, is particularly tight in in the UK. Um, tight labour market that means high vacancies and low unemployment it, it, it basically means not enough workers for the number of jobs available and so therefore uh, employers being forced to pay up for the for the fewer workers that are available uh, so uh, it's one of the reasons why inflation is thought to be a bigger problem in the UK than it is for example in Europe or the US. And in fact, we're already seeing that in the figures. Uh, just this week, we saw some some inflation numbers out of continental Europe, which are starting to come down quite nicely. Uh, we've seen um, a, a slowdown in the inflation rate uh, in the US. Here in the UK, we've just started to see a, a, a reduction in inflation, but it's still at a much higher level than it is in those other two regions. Yeah, and it's this is a really interesting, interesting and difficult conversation to have because when you say something like, "Well, we need wages to stay um, suppressed," you know, people are going to say, "Oh my God, what are you talking about?" You know, the cost of my bills is going up. I need to get a wage right, and of course, 
individually that's true and it's perfectly reasonable for people to um, expect and ask for that but we're talking about in the aggregate across the economy and higher wages aren't much good if everything you have to pay for is much more expensive mm-hmm. and that's the challenge to policymakers in government and at central banks yeah and of course that is why uh the central banks and the other authorities are so keen to get on top of inflation because ultimately in an inflationary environment everyone is a loser because you're just on a treadmill mm-hmm. um having to having to hike wages to uh to to, to match uh higher prices and you've got to get off that treadmill the yeah. problem with getting off that treadmill is that there is a transition period there's the there's there's a there's a point at which everyone actually just gets a bit poorer yeah uh in 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 real terms and that is what we're facing now and probably for the next couple of years because yeah this is the painful part about where we're at it's that the central banks want a slowdown in the economy because they want to reduce demand in the economy and that's going to bring all sorts of nasty things along with it businesses are going to be less likely to hire some businesses are going to struggle because of recession you know people's unemployment could rise at that point and the truth is no one likes to say this out loud but the truth is probably the bank of england wants to see unemployment rise it certainly wants to see wages wage rises flatten that's not much fun for households but that's what they're going to need to be assured that inflation has in fact peaked yes i mean what is the right policy for the economy as a whole uh is not the right policy for an individual, whether that's an, uh, a household or a business or a person. Uh, they're going to have to pay the price. And you're absolutely right. No one's going to say that explicitly, but that is the goal of that policy. Uh, which means that we, well, I mean, I don't think many people believe the UK will avoid a recession. There's a question mark about whether the US can. Um, it's a really difficult tightrope for these central banks to tread, isn't it? And let's not pretend they have everything within their control either. But they want to slow things down. They want to take inflationary pressure out of an economy. But they don't want to crash it. They don't want to, uh, you know, mass unemployment. They don't want the the really nasty effects of a deep recession, do they? No. And and another point to to add to that is that no country uh, operates in isolation. Uh, so, for example. Uh, the Bank of England's uh, hands are tied to an extent by what is going on with the much bigger and more important um, uh, central bank, the Federal Reserve, in the United States. And the linkage here is 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 through the currency markets, because if the, the, the US maintains higher interest rates than we do over here, then money will flow from the UK to, to the US. It will drive up the value of the dollar and drive the pound lower and that in itself is inflationary because everything that we import then becomes more expensive so so uh, you know uh, central banks need to work in a coordinated uh, way they they need to keep a, an eye on what the others are doing as well yeah yeah well let's move on to the market side of this because i did ask you know what effect does this all have on not just the economy but markets in particular there's some particular market effects that come about with interest rates being higher Yes. Well, I mean, the, 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 the basic um, principle of uh, raising interest rates is it raises the cost of borrowing for both for both households and businesses that um, necessarily uh, raises their cost base. 
um, and reduces their profits. Uh, if the profits are reduced, then the value of those companies is reduced and their shares uh, will, will fall in value. So that's the sort of that's the mechanism by which um, interest rates flow through very quickly uh, into into the stock market. And what tends to happen uh, is that the stock market anticipates what's coming. And that is why last year, uh, and indeed the year before in 2021 we were already seeing a reduction in the in the valuation uh, of stock markets in anticipation of that rise in interest rates um markets are very good at seeing what's coming down the track and even as far back as the summer of 2021 they were beginning to recognize that central banks were getting twitchy about raising interest rates and that's why um uh, market valuations started to to fall. Uh, so uh, that process uh, continues and that there will continue to be that disconnect between what's going on in the real economy and with the central banks and what's happening in the markets. Markets always tend to be ahead of the game. Yeah, and, and there's an effect which you've written about many times, Tom, which is is that a lot of the the leading companies, particularly in the US, were very, very sensitive to interest rate rises, weren't they? Because their, uh, their profits were seen as being very reliable and growing into the future. With a low interest rate environment, there's lots and lots of value in those future profits. But when interest rates are higher, when inflation is higher, uh, those future profits are worth technically less in today's money. And so their value fell a long way. Yes, I mean that it's it's quite a complex uh, subject, but it is a, a, a fascinating one nonetheless, and very important uh, in terms of the relative performance of different markets. Because you're right, um, uh, low interest rates were, are particularly uh, beneficial for companies which have. Uh, strong and reliable growth into the future, because their future earnings are worth more um, when they're valued in today's terms uh, using using interest rates. Um, and that is one of the reasons why the US actually performed so badly last year, because it's so dominated by these big growth stocks, particularly the technology uh, stocks, and their value fell very sharply last year. So there's a bit of sort of internal rotation, if you like, between different sectors as a consequence of what's going on with interest rates. And as an investor, you need to be aware of that uh, because it might shape where you choose to invest. So um, that all said, what would be lovely from an investor point of view is to see some of this reversed, to see inflation begin to fall. And, you know, I don't think interest rate cuts are likely anytime soon, but maybe the noise around interest rates might change. What signs are there that that could happen? How how optimistic can investors be that that is on its way? Well, that is the key question for markets this year. And I think that we are beginning to see evidence that that process is is beginning. Uh, in all the three regions that I talked about, the US, the UK uh, and Europe, um, inflation is lower than it was a couple of months ago. It is beginning to fall. So uh, what central banks have done is working. Um, and at some point they will be able to say our job is done. Uh, we've pushed interest rates as far as we need to to get on top of inflation. Once they feel secure that 
inflation is coming down, they will stop raising interest rates and then in due course they will cut interest rates. And that will be a real positive uh, for the market. Now, investors will anticipate that coming. I said that there's a disconnect between the timescales on which markets and the economy work. Um, I would anticipate that the stock market will move maybe six months ahead of um, that that process um, taking effect. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, we could see uh, the peak in interest rates in the US and yeah, probably here in the UK too in the summer. Um, I think that they, they won't come down immediately. Sure. I think they'll stay there for a while yeah. while, while central banks have a look and make sure that, they, that they're not bailing out too early. Um, so I think that towards the end of the year, interest rates will start coming down again. What that means is that stock markets might actually start um, turning more positive in the middle of next year. So I think next year is going to be a year of two halves. I think the first half might be quite difficult for investors. Again, I don't think the, the, the bear market is probably over just yet, but it will turn at some point next year. And I think and I hope that we actually will end the year a bit higher than we started because it would be, be a bit of a V-shaped um, market next year. I think I think it's going to go down a bit further, but then it's going to start rising. Yeah. And if, if we cast forward to, to later next year and just imagine that, that's going to be quite, quite a difficult period, isn't it? If you imagine interest rates will be at their peak at that point, economies could be in, they could have had a couple of quarters of recession by that point as well. There'll be lots and lots of pain in the real economy, which means pain to real people. It, not just investors, but households and governments are going to want a change of direction from central banks. Central banks are going to be under immense pressure to lower rates in those circumstances, aren't they? It's going to be, you wouldn't want to be in their, in their shoes. No, and of course, that is why we have independent central banks. So in theory they're not put under those uh, pressures because clearly there is a lot of political incentive to to do what uh, the people yes. want. In the and short term. In the short want. term, yeah, yeah. And it may not be the right policy. Um, okay, well, you, you've, you've said there, Tom, that the, the markets perhaps haven't seen their bottom, but, it, but you know, there's signs that, that this, this pivot could come. From an investor's point of view right now, you can't really just hang around and wait on the sidelines for that moment, can you? No one rings a bell when the when the bottom is hit. I've read that from one of your articles this week. Absolutely. So. It's, a, it's a well-known stock yeah. market expression. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you thought yeah. of it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but the point of all this is, is that you've, you've, got to be, you've got to be in the market when that happens, and that means being in, in it ahead of that when it all looks less certain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we often talk about the, the impossibility of timing those those changes in direction of the market and um, the much better approach uh, is to ensure that you are fully invested when the market does turn and start rising again, which obviously is the, the desired position to be in. You need to start positioning yourself well ahead of that coming. And so I think that's now. I think that in anticipation of that pivot at some point in 2023, it makes sense to start dripping money into the market. Um, the advantage of doing it that way, uh, rather than putting all the money in one go, of course, is that if the market does continue to fall for a bit, for a few months maybe, then each successive month's investment uh, is being made at a more favourable level and you're, you're buying more, more shares or units in funds um, mm. with, with your investment. So 
that would be my recommended approach. Okay, well, Tom, thanks an awful lot uh, for coming in and explaining it all. It's all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Ed. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.